Lord or not, but King Uzziah, his name means my strength, my pride. In the year that my pride died, in the year that my strength died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple. He got so good, he was seeing angels go around, holy, holy, holy. And he got so, he heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? And he said, man, send me because I'm going to sell out for this presence that I see. How many longs for his presence, the train of his robe to fill the temple again? Amen. I just want to say to your precious lady that lost her spouse there, I don't know you, know your husband, but in 2011, I lost my wife. I was married for 26 years. She went home early, unexpectedly, had all the plans to live a long life, you know, had a heart attack. She wasn't big like me. But one day, it was her time to go home. We don't understand everything. She had a lot of pain and ailments the last three years of her life. And she knew the Lord was going to heal her. I just thought he was going to heal her on this side. But how many knows the Lord's ways are not necessarily our ways? But I remember the pain and the hurt. And an older gentleman came by and he shook my hand and he whispered in my ear. And he says, this thing won't overtake you even though it seems like it will. He said, but it'll come in waves like an ocean. But just know that when the waves come out, they'll come back in. And his strength to sustain you. And you really learn how one you are. And it took me years to, to get through that. But how many knows the Lord will help you? The Lord will give you strength. He'll help you. Amen? So I bless you today. It's good to see the family operate. This is my wife, Tracy. Amen. And this is my son, John David. John David used to be about like this, but he doesn't shut up. And uh, we are so honored to be here today. You may sit down and take your place. Thank you so much. It is truly an honor to stand here today. And uh, for you that might not know me, I'm Pastor Junior and I'm a spiritual son of Pastor Dale, and uh, he used to teach me when I was 14 years old in Sunday school, and I would say, Lord, whatever he's got, that's what I want. I was a freshman in high school, and he would begin to cry, and I'd sit over and begin to weep, and back then, I believe big boys don't cry. Played football and all, but boys don't cry, and I'd be over just just a snot case. Is it okay to say snot? Sorry. Just a bad case. And I'm always thinking, my God, what's wrong with you, son? But when I heard him speak, it was, uh, I'd get in the car with my mom and dad and would leave. I said, whatever's on Pastor Dale, whatever that is, that's what I want. And it was the Holy Spirit. Amen? And uh, last Sunday, we... Uh, was at Cornerstone, Pastor John Bagley there, precious man of God, and another son in the Lord of Pastor Dell. And uh, about halfway through the service, we had Pastor Chris Posting come up, and he had presented John's, a pulpit that Pastor John's dad had built for him years and years ago. 
And Pastor Dale, you know, Pastor John had, 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 had said, and I believe Pastor Dale had told him, you're going to get your father's pulpit. The Lord had promised Pastor John that. And John didn't know how that was going to come about. And, um, but they actually brought in a pulpit that was in Alma over there. Uh, and, that's what, and they presented it to Pastor John totally unplanned. Pastor John's family was there. And uh, when they lifted up the pulpit and looked on the bottom of it, his dad died when he was like, I think he was 52, 53. John was young. But his father had taken both of his hands and made handprints on the bottom of that pulpit. Man, it broke him like it down. And I seen him put his hands next to where his dead handprints were. Just weep like a baby. And Chris will never know, man. It went to great lengths. He had to drive a great distance and talk to different people to run that pulpit down. Somebody had it sitting in, her, I guess, a warehouse. And it was a great day. And I got home, and I was so happy for him. But at the same time, I was so broken on the inside. I normally take a nap on Sunday afternoon. I'd advise that it. it's pretty good. And as you get older, you understand that more. But uh, especially when it's raining, right? But I, I went out to my little building out back. And uh, a few years ago, Pastor John had called me. He'd wanted something more modern looking like this. And uh, someone built him a pulpit. So he called me and asked me, do you want Pastor Dale's pulpit? And I said, yes. And man, I cried all the way to the church. Broken. Loaded up my father's pulpit. Laid it on something where I wouldn't scratch it. Wrapped it in a sheet. Because it was so precious. And I took it home with me. Put it in the building. Even set it on a rug and wrapped it in a sheet. So I went out there and began to pray. And I'd like to stand here and say that I've been a good son. But I hadn't been perfect. I have messed up a lot of times, and uh, Pastor Dale's loved me through all of that, and he's a true father, and I honor him. So this about Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, I was out there talking to the Lord, and I hadn't done it in a long time, but I unraveled the pulpit, just uncovered it, just broke crying from Pastor Dale. And I said, Lord, where's my inheritance? And I, I knew that my inheritance didn't consist of a building or a people. But my inheritance consists of what he put in, instilled inside of me as a son for over 30 years. And that same night, last night, Sunday night, about 8.30, he texted me. He said, would you like to minister next Sunday or this Sunday? And I said, yeah. And he didn't know that. But it's an honor to be here. It's an honor. And today my assignment from the Lord is a little different. My assignment is I want to minister on the blessing of a father. The blessing of a father. And I'll teach it or preach it from a son's point of view. And you know, as I look in the Bible, 
I find that Paul and Timothy had the relationship of a son and a father. And you know, some people, you're closer to some people in your church family than you are your natural family. And that's okay. And uh, everybody needs somebody. The Lord says it's not good to be alone. Is that right? And so we see that in Romans there, Paul writes to Timothy. And he writes to him one time, he writes to him in Romans, and he says, Timothy, my fellow laborer, sends you greetings. Timothy, my co-laborer, my fellow laborer. But see, it didn't start out that way. Timothy was a young Timothy that met Paul on his second missionary trip. He met him in Ephesus, if you will. And Paul had just lost Barnabas. They had a little disagreement. How many of those fathers and sons sometimes and brothers and sisters has a disagreement? But you still got to serve the Lord. Amen? And Barnabas had left Paul. And Paul had met young Timothy, a young disciple. And Paul took him under his wing. Timothy's mama was Jewish, but his father was Greek. And Timothy come under the wing, come under the wing of a spiritual father. And he allowed Apostle Paul to circumcise him in the natural so the Jews wouldn't, couldn't point their fingers that he's not one of us. A son has to be teachable. A son has to make a commitment that he did to his father. Because when he heard Paul preach, something in him had to rise up and say, that's my daddy. I recognize that voice. Can't nobody speak to you like your daddy, amen? So as you know, they're, they're in Acts here. And, and he traveled with Paul, it says, like a decade. Like a decade. And then it says that Paul, on his second missionary journey, says Timothy in to Ephesus as the pastor of that church. And then Paul writes 1 Timothy. He writes to him in 1 Timothy, and he writes 1 Timothy. He says, to my true son in the Lord. Timothy chapter 2 starts, to my dear son. It's the relationship's already grown over 10 years here. And he writes to Timothy, and he says, he says, I want you to understand that I'm, Paul realizes I'm at the end of my life. I'm coming to an end here. And uh, he'd been in prison, in, in Roman prison, and he got let out. And some says that's when he went and set Timothy in the church at Ephesus. And then he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to Timothy. And you know what he talked about? He talked about how to conduct worship in a church. He talked about in Timothy, 1 Timothy, the, the role of an elder and a deacon. He, he taught about church government. He taught about how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. I mean, the complete instructions of church leadership is in 1 Timothy. The first one is if, if anyone desire to be an elder. You've got to have a desire for the things of God. And he said amen. And then they said the second letter that he wrote was about four years later. At this time, Apostle Paul's in a prison. And uh, it's, it's cold, it's dark, it's damp. And he, and he writes this letter to Timothy, my dear son. And here's what he says. He says, in the last stages of his life, this is what he said. He said, please come to see me, Timothy. 
the father sent for the son to come see him. And when he, and when he come, he, listen to this. Paul charges Timothy in this second letter because he knows his time's about up. He's in prison. And as you know, Paul got beheaded. But it says right here, he begins to talk to his son. And I'm just introducing this. He said, and he was talking about, Timothy, you must guard the treasures that I've trusted to you. How many knows you got some things you got to guard that's been passed down from generations to you? And this is what he told him. He said, you, Timothy, you know all about my teaching. You know my way of life. How many knows your way of life speaks a lot higher than your way of teaching? Amen? Should be in line. He says, you know all about my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, endurance, persecutions, my sufferings, all the things that happened to me in Antioch. He talked about evil men and how they'd done him wrong, but he said this. He said, I want you to continue in what you have learned and what you have been convinced of. That's how you're going to bring honor to me when I'm gone, Timothy. I want you to continue in my way of living, in my way of teaching, in things that I taught you that was passed down to you by your mother and your grandmother. Come on, somebody. And he says, he says, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the scriptures which were able to make you wise. He said, all scriptures God breathed. Who knows God's scripture isn't dead or stagnant. God's word is still breathing, still breathing with life. And he said, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good word. And he charged him in the presence of everyone. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He says, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of your ministry, Timothy. In other words, unlock both barrels. Amen? And he says, Paul says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. Paul says, I have finished my race. I have fought a good fight. Here's what he says to him. Do your best to come to me quickly. He says, for it's almost winter. Let me know he's in a cold, dark dungeon. And he sends for his son to bring him life and to come see him. Because it's been a long time. And here's what he said. When you come, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. He said, bring my coat. Get here before winter because I'm going to need it. Him knows you're going to go through some dark, tight, damp places. And he says, bring my coat. And then he said this, bring my scrolls, especially the parchments. Here's what he was saying. He said, bring all my writings. Bring all the books that I wrote. And my parchments was parchment leaves. Some say it was even sheepskins that Paul took notes on. 
It was his personal notes from his study time from the Lord. Paul said, bring my coat, but please bring them. How many knows when you're living your last days, you begin to focus on what really mattered the most? And it was his writings. It was relationship with sons and the church. And he had the concern of the church and the weight on him as an apostle. And he said, bring my books. Bring my notes. Whatever you do, come for winter. So today as a son, I've just come to bring Pastor Dale's books. And I come to bring his notes. They're in here. As I stand before you today, I came to honor Pastor Dale, my spiritual father, in this house. Many of you might not know it, but he holds the office of an apostle. Man's an apostle, five-fold minister of the gospel. I come to put on a coat of honor to him today. He's a five-star general, if they ever been one. I've sat under a bunch of people and a bunch of teaching and heard a bunch of stuff online, but nobody has ever moved me the way that Pastor Dale does when he breaks that bread. Never. My life has never been the same since. And now I have to recollect, remember what he said. He said a lot of great things of wisdom, a lot of great things. I just want to honor him today on the blessing of a father. We started March 10th, 1991 in a little blue building. And we was a lot like David. When David was on the run, David was to be king. But David ended up in a king of Adullam. And how many know about 600 men came to David? The Bible says those that what? Were in distress. Those that were discontented, those that was in financial ruin. They came to David, and he became their leader. That's how we started back in 1991. And I want you to know, Pastor Dale poured so much wisdom. We used to go to church, man, morning, night. One time went at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for a while because that's church time in the Bible. 11 o'clock ain't church time. 11 o'clock is when they used to you know, go feed the cows. But at 3 o'clock, they went up to pray at the temple at the time of prayer being the time of 3. Come on, somebody. God told him in prayer one time to do that. And you know what he did? He did it. bunch of people up. man, you don't do that. That's my nap time. That's the middle of the afternoon. You know, 11 o'clock's church time. No, it's not. God will meet whenever you meet. But we would go in at 3 o'clock, and you know what? A lot of times we wouldn't leave at 10 o'clock. Because of the hunger in the people pulling on the prophetic gift out of Apostle Dale. And the more we, the more we wanted to stay, we'd dance a while, worship a while. Man, he'd give everybody a dead gun word in the building, just unreal hunger. Couldn't wait to get there. I was a bread man running a bread route about 2.30 in the morning. I'd get up, come to Valdosta about 3.30, load my bread truck. And on Sunday night, sometimes we'd stay late. And so a few times he'd slip back there to me, down the aisle. And he'd say, Brother Junior, it's okay if you want to go home, man. I know you got to get to bed. I know you got to get up early. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And I'd say, man, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. 
God will strengthen me in the morning. I'll be fine. And I did, man, just ever. I, I even built my house across the street one time. I bought a house across the street from the church. Didn't want to live in sports. I just wanted to be close to the man of God and the presence of what God was doing. I put cement around my mailbox. I told the Lord, I'll stay right here for this man of God. I'll sell out to this. It's been a great trip. My main text, Ezekiel 16, amen. I won't keep you long. This chapter 16, Ezekiel, I'm not going to do interpretation of it, but I am going to make an application of it from a father to a son. This is really talking about Father God reaching out to Jerusalem, to his children. And it talks about this is when the Lord found them. He said, then I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. And I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew. You were naked and bare. He said, later I passed by you. And when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, he says, I spread the corner of my garment over you. He said, like a father and a son who when he came to me, I didn't know nothing. But because I come under his leadership and his being a father to me, things begin to add to my life. Things begin to multiply as I listen to the man of God. I spread out to the right and to the left. Come on. He says, I laid my garment over you. He said, I covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. He said, I bathed you with water. How many knows there's a washing of the word? I bathed you with water and I washed the blood from you and I put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put leather sandals on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. How many knows it costs something to study and to give out to the word of God and to the people? It's their very life, their blood, their sweat, their tears. Most of these ministers, especially apostles, have to live this stuff out before they can minister it and preach it to you. Their life's on full display behind the scenes, if you will. He says, I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were a fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was fine flour, honey, and olive oil. You become a very beautiful and rose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty. Because of the splendor I had given you, made your beauty perfect, declares the Lord. How many can testify that when you, before you knew the Lord, that you, you really were naked and you were bare. Come on, somebody. And he knows your father covers you. Your father had never done nothing to you and I but good. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. God had never taken anything from junior D's. The Lord doesn't take, he's not subtracting things from you. He's adding things to you. How many knows that God adds to you? How many knows God multiplies things to you? And I got a little song I heard this week, and I'm just going to play about a minute and 45 seconds of it, but it's talking about a father to his children. But I'm, it hit me like when I met Pastor Dale, man, I, 
I didn't know a whole lot in the Word. And man, when he began to teach, when he began to teach, man, he was putting garments on me. He was clothing me. He was strengthening me with the Word of God. Play that. This song is called Worth. Play it just a little bit. Listen to it. Turn it up. Amen. How many knows the Lord came? That's good stuff. I about threw a chair across the room when I heard it. So, man, that's good. But I got to thinking about how much Pastor Dale, through his teaching, from a father to a son, added to my life all these years. And I remember that the book of Malachi, at the end of it, it says that the spirit of Elijah would come, and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers lest I strike the land with a curse. Now, if anything's missing right now, it looks like a curse going on out there. Come on. This thing's changing, amen? Church is going to get brighter and brighter. We know that. But the world's getting darker and darker. People don't know who they are no more. No identity. They're lost. They're searching. And I read some stats from Time Magazine that said more than anything else in the present more than anything else that brings success to a son or daughter is the presence of a biological father in the home. The greatest thing that will bring happiness and success to a son or a daughter, I'm talking in the natural and the spiritual, he said, is the presence of a father in the home. It's the way the Lord designed the thing. He said 38% of all children live without the presence of their biological father in the home. 38% live in the home without a biological father. More than half of our children will spend part of their childhood without a father. In, in a book called Fatherless America, it says confronting our most social problem, which you think would be drug, AIDS, or gains, but he said fatherlessness 
was the most destructive trend of our generation. I want to say that again. Fatherlessness was the most destructive trend of our current generation. If we ever needed a father to stand up, it's now. He said, in other words, fatherlessness is more dangerous than drug abuse. It's more dangerous than teenage pregnancy, game warfare, or corruption in the, in the church or the government. To be without a father is the most dangerous thing you can have. In other words, there's nothing more dangerous than a fatherless society. The absence of the father are linked to the most social nightmares from boys with guns and girls with babies. 43% of inmates in prison grew up without both parents in the home. 43%. What's this all saying? If you can get the problem, the father problem solved, of the fathers being fathers, we can get a lot of it. We can reduce the crime. Come on, somebody. We can, we can reduce poverty. You know, we keep building jails for prisoners. But how many know these men are called to be fathers? Fatherhood's in them. We need to spend more time developing fathers than just locking them up somewhere. Amen? If you can get the father's problems solved, you can greatly reduce all kinds of problems. 46% of children headed by a single mother live below the poverty level compared to only 8% in the home with both parents. Without a father, 46% of the children live below the poverty level. This research is linking poverty not to the absence of money, but to the absence of a father. Could it be that poverty is a fatherhood problem? Could it be that homosexuality is a fatherhood problem? That's why they don't know who they are. Identity all messed up. Could it be the problem with drugs and violence and gains is a fatherhood problem at the root? Time Magazine research goes on to say that a fatherless home is linked to a dropout, is linked to jobless, drug addicts, a suicide victim, mentally ill, or a target of sexual abuse. It's a home without a father. In the natural, it is the father that determines the identity of a child. You know that, don't you, from science? It's the, the, the genes of the father that determine the identity of the child. I want to say without a father, a child don't really know who they are. I want you to understand this. When God wanted to build a nation in the beginning, when God wanted to build a people, when God wanted to build a country, first thing he did was look for a father. Why? Because men are to be builders. Fathers are builders. Pastor Dale is a master builder at what he's doing by the grace of God. God looked for a man that he could be a father over a family. He chose Abraham, chose Moses. He gave Moses the law. Get this, he's starting a nation. This got national effect. Father, to have, not have a father has an effect on our nation. 
That's why we're forsaking a lot of our father's things that they put out are meant for us to follow. People's trying to now interpret it and say they didn't mean to say what they said. When God's going to start a nation or a country, he said, I got to have a man. I got to have a father. And he says, the first commandment, what? Honor the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what did he say? One of the other things he said, honor your father and mother. Why would he say honor your father and mother when he's building a nation, when he's creating a country? Come on, somebody. Because I said, you got to honor your father and the mother. It's the root, if you will. It'll go well with you. You'll have long life. Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents. And then he says, honor your mom and dad. Children, obey your parents. And then he says, honor your mom and your dad. Some of you are sitting here today saying, if you knew my father, you'd know they wouldn't, there's nothing there to honor. I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us the difference between a father and a parent. A parent is not, normally, is not normally equal to a father or a mother. For an example, some of you were probably raised or brought up by your grandparents. But that doesn't change the fact that your father's still your father and your mother's still your mother. Your grandmother could never be your mother and your grandfather could never be your father. They can be your parents, but they can never be your father and mother. God never told us to love our father and mother. He just told us to honor them. He said, you got to honor them. You got to honor where you came from. How many knows we stand on their shoulders? Honor does not mean to love because of what they did or didn't do. You know, that makes it hard for some of you to honor because of what they did or didn't do. He never told you to love them. He told you to honor them. He didn't even say to obey your father. He said to honor your father. Because your father may be doing things that maybe he shouldn't do. But God said you need to honor him anyway because of who he is. A parent is different than a biological father or mother. He said the word parent means someone who cares for you. Someone who gives you nurture. It means to source, to feed, but not just food, but emotional stability, instruction, relationship, discipline, giving that child everything he or she needs to be sustained. This is parenting. Wouldn't you agree that a parent really cares for you? Every area of your life. There are fathers that are terrible parents. Man, it's quiet in here. There are fathers that only show up at a child's graduation in a suit and tie. And mama done raised that child her whole life by herself. And here he comes on graduation day, walking in, wanting to be recognized, sit up front with a child, and act like he done something. All you been, sir, is a sperm donor. Come on. You ain't been no father. You ain't been no parent. You say, no, you need to wait out back right there. And by the way, they're not going to be no pictures with me and you today either because you wasn't there. 
might be harsh, but because they're a male don't make them a, a, a good father. It's just not. Some of you were raised by your grandparents. Thank God, right? True parents are those who love you, teach you, provide for you, and instruct you in the ways of the Lord. You know, when I came to Apostle Dale and told him I was called to preach, you know, I told him, I, I, need, I drove to Tifton, and I said, I need some training for about two years because I don't know nothing like I need to. And once I get trained about two years, then I'll preach for you. You know what he said to me? He did a very dirty thing. He said, you're preaching next Wednesday night at Cornerstone. I said, man, I'm not ready to preach. You preaching. Brother Charles Blair did me like that, and I'm doing you like that. I'm your daddy. You're preaching. Scared me to death the longest week of my life. I preach on all things work together. Romans 8 and 28. Everybody was snotting in the building just because it was the Lord there. Wasn't nothing to do with Junior. Man, I butchered it up. But I've been trained by him. He called me one time and he, he said, come get all my books. And I drove out there and he gave me all of his training books. I mean, loaded the car down. All kind of study material. And the reason was, he done graduated to software on a computer. Nave Press. And I know Sister Jill, how she was with her house, wanted all that mess cleaned out. His office was, his little office was about like this right here to right here. He had a desk in there. That's all he had. She wanted all that stuff gone. I said, man, what you going to do if you're giving me all your study material? How are you going to study? I got Nave Press. So what's Nave Press? Man, I can click a button. It tells me the Greek and the Hebrew, all the commentaries. I don't need all that. But I was so honored. I didn't have a computer back then, guys. I was so honored to get all his books and how much he must have thought of me to give me that. I want to say this today. As, as, goes, as so goes the Father, so goes the home. As so goes the Father, so goes the home. As so goes the Father, so goes the city. So goes the community. So goes the nation as the Father goes. The greatest title passed on a man is Father because God gave himself that name. It's an honor. The word Father in Hebrew means Abba, which means source. It means nourisher. It means sustainer. It means provider, protector, author. I didn't know this one. It means founder. It's talking about the foundation. A father has to be the foundation. It's a, fo a foundational thing in your life is to have a, a father. The source of your genes are from your daddy. Why is this important? Because father is the founder, the source, the root, the genetic pool. Now get this, the tree is only as good as the root. People say today, the apple don't fall, fall from the tree, does it? The tree is only good as the root. The house is only as strong as the foundation. I got any builders in here. The, the house is only as strong as the foundation. 
The quality of the offspring is determined by its genetic source. The condition of the root determines the life of a plant. The condition of the root is what determines the life of a plant. Leaves don't determine the life of a plant. Every contractor in here will tell you that the most important part of the house is what? Foundation. Foundation. If the house, if the foundation of a house has a, cra a crack in it, the city will come out and condemn that house. You can't build on no faulty foundation. That's why this thing, fatherhood, is so important that you get it in your life. Some of you living without a father in the natural thought that, you, that God was the same way. And him, he knows he's totally opposite of what your father was that left and walked out on you. Because your father, heavenly father, never walks out on you. He's always there through the good, the bad, the ugly. As Dale would, Pastor Dale would say, he already knew all your mess and your stuff. You was going to blow it. And he came and called you anyway. And he, and he stamped on your head qualified because of my son Jesus and his blood. So your sins is done paid for past, present, and future. So that's why we come boldly to the throne. Your thoughts from your heavenly father's only good thoughts for you. Only thoughts of a, of a just a, a future, good things over you. He's the one working behind the scenes when me and you are in the bed causing divine uh, relationships and kingdom relationships and connections that are going to be made that are going to change your life forever. While we're sleeping, he's working behind the scenes. That's what a true father does. He works behind the scenes, if you will, to try to make it better for his son and his daughters. That's a true daddy. The older I get... With, with John here, John's 15, fixing to turn 16. And the older I get, I realize it's less about the Father and it's more about Him and what I can do for Him and how I can pass the baton, how I can leave an inheritance for Him to step into so that He doesn't have to start over again and again and again. It's about the children at the heart of fatherhood. It's serving, giving, if you will. The strength of the foundation determines the value of the house. God says you must protect the foundation, honor the foundation because it's your life source. Always watering the root. If you'll water the root, it always gives life to the plant. And I don't say this to the men. We must stop trying to be the head of the house only and realize that you are the foundation of your house. You are the foundation of the house. In you and through you goes your family. It's a weighty thing to be a man. But how many knows your shoulders were graced for it? You were graced to carry the weight. How many knows there's all kind of crosses that men must face? But how many knows you know that you're not alone? Because if you're a root and tied to the source, God, I mean, he's your strength. He's the reason you can make it. You must carry those that you have been entrusted with. How many men can say with me, water me again, Lord. Just water me again, Lord.
I need to be watered again, Lord. One role of the Father is he holds the family to its source. Who knows the source is God. My mom and dad used to get us down in the house and mama made you get on your knees to pray. And God didn't hear you if he wasn't on your knees. Amen. Let me know God didn't hear you anyway. But I saw miracle after miracle watching my parents join hands and we pray as a family. I didn't have to wonder if we were going to church on Sunday. My dad said, we're going, son, get dressed. My whole life we've been in church. Been to one five-week revival, went every night. Didn't miss a one after working all day. And couldn't wait to get there. People used to have a hunger for the house of God and his presence. If you fertilize the root, it gets into the plant and leaves. No matter how big the tree is, the root holds to the soil. Get that. No matter how big or wide the tree is, it always comes back to the root, the foundation. No matter how tall or long the vine grows, it always comes back to the root. The root always holds the family together. So if you destroy the root, the leaves may stay green for a little while, but after a while, they're going to swivel up because they've got away from the root. They've got away from the life source. How many know God is the life source that comes to our Father, a root that gives us life, speaks to us His wisdom, His love, His kindness. Destroy the root, you destroy the family. The Father anchors the family to the rock. The plant anchors the root to the soil. The foundation anchors the house. At the source, the root, the Father, receives nutrients for the family. Listen carefully. All the nutrients to a family has has to come from the root. And the root has to be attached to good soil. So, Father, he called you, every man he called you, to be the root that goes to the source underneath the ground to God. And he's going to release nutrients in your life, teach you things that you never knew, give you new truths that you can go and share with your family, your friends. This is why man, a man who does not study the word of God is so dangerous to his family, to his nation, to his country. Your family serves only as spiritual as you are. You've got a great call on your life. You are the nutrient conductor, if you will, to your family. You're the one who feeds your family with wisdom and counsel, information, knowledge, and revelation, and good ideas. You are the one who comes with security and confidence and security for them. You hold the whole thing together. I want to say this, a father is like a huge oak tree, wide oak tree that gives shade to the son and the daughters, to orphan and the widows. If you're a father, you're called to be a huge oak tree that gives shade to so many sons and daughters along the way. When's the last time you hugged a child and told them, I'll be your father? I'm not your daddy, but I'll sure love you. So many people today don't have a father. 
And God's gifted you maybe to do that. So many children are messed up on the inside today. It's all traced back. They don't have a father to give them their identity, to give them their love, to give them their affirmation. When you send a little little kid out at school, kindergarten, you kiss him on the head. When he goes off to college and you kiss him when he leaves the house and gives him that final hug, you know what he remembers when he goes through tough times? He remembers the kiss of dad, the kiss of his father, the kiss of his mom. You know what he's thinking? Mom and dad are behind me. I can do this. They're praying for me. They love me. They want only what's best for me. Pastor Dale used to teach us, Junior, when you're going through stuff and it's not clear, just erase the chalkboard, son, and give the Lord the chalk. Just start over again. Just come back to ground zero. When you don't know what to do, just come back to what you do know. I know he loves me. I know he's good. I know he's got good plans for my life. A lot of wisdom. This week, there was a man named Dick Hoyt that died. Anybody hear about that? He had a son named Rick Hoyt. And Rick was handicapped. And in 1977, this son wanted his dad, wanted him to run a five-mile race with him in it. And his son pushed, his father pushed his son five miles in a wheelchair. And he finished the race. And his son told his daddy when he got done, he said, Daddy, when I'm out there running with you, it's like I'm not, I'm not disabled at all. Can you imagine a father hearing that? It says that they run over a thousand races together. He did a decathlon, a triathlon. He would, when he would swim the river he would, in the lake there, he would get the bungee cord and tie around the father's waist and tie it to a little tube boat back here and put the son in it. And he swim, pulling his son like that. And then it, when he come to ride the bicycle, he had a special bicycle. He'd set his son up there, handicapped. And ride his son just smile, wave, laugh, handicap. And then he would run with a special chair for the son to sit in. This dad would push his chair when he ran. He died this week. And it says the name of, the, of what he had on TV was, Yes, You Can. That was the word, the father's words to this young son was, Yes, You Can. You might be handicapped. You might can't do everything on your own, but because you've got a daddy or a church or somebody supporting you, yes, you can. Yes, you can try better. Yes, you can move from one level in your life to the next. Yes, you can marry again. Yes, you can have your own business. Yes, you can be a father and mother. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. How many knows that's because you've got a father standing behind you? Apostle Dale's always been there for me. My life's forever changed because of him. When I was 14. He taught me to Sunday school. When he started a little blue building, he started, he taught us on the gift of faith. And man, I never heard faith like that. But what I didn't know, the gift of faith was already locked up inside of me. That's really my main gift. And he had to unlock it because when I heard him teach about the gift of faith, it unlocked what was on the inside of me. 
He ever unlocked something that was on the inside of you by something he said? It's because it was already in you before you got here. And you had to hear someone give some text to it, some meaning to it, and then your baby started jumping. They told me and my wife, Laura, that we could not have children, as you know. And because of that, he kept on teaching that week after week. I went home and I built me a nursery. Put Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck on the walls. Baby bed and a rocking chair and a changing table. The doctors told us from Valdosta here, Dr. McBride, you both can try to get blue in the face. Both of you got issues. Won't either one of you have no children. And because of this man's stance on the gift of faith, I took a stand. I said, I'm going to try it. And I took that Bible and I'd walk around my bedroom about 21 days. I'd come home from work. I didn't eat supper. I'd come home, took a shower, went to the room, and I'd hold the word up. I said, Lord, you said if you asked anything according to your name, you said you would do it, Lord. And I'm asking you for a son. My wife's wanting to adopt, but I believe you can give us a son. You can open her womb. You can heal me. I believe you can do it. I did it for 21 days nonstop. And I want you to know in that little blue building, on a Wednesday night, Pastor Dale said, Brother Junior, come here. Lord, come here. And I want you to know it's like heaven had a, had a tape recorder, everything that I prayed. I asked God for the baby. I asked God for that I could have a better job, that I could make enough money that my wife could stay home and raise that baby. And I pray I wouldn't miss a check. He called me out. I still got a cassette tape. He said, Junior, the Lord's heard your prayer, son. Your wife's going to have a baby. God's going to give you another job. God's going to bless you in such a way, son, that your wife can stay home with that baby and not leave it. And all three things come about. Just like God had a tape recorder in my bedroom. Do you understand that God hears his children when you pray? When I pray to God, I don't go to God begging. I said, God, you hear me. It's Junior again. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Junior. That's my deal with him. I'm putting myself with them. I know you hear me when I pray, Lord. And I walk around my place of business, and I just I decree that. I don't beg him for nothing. Lord, I thank you that today I got favor. I thank you I got unusual kindness. I thank you every place that I stepped my foot's already mine. See, he didn't say try something. He said, you got to set your foot, Joshua. He said, everywhere you set your foot. When you set your foot, you put your foot down and you take it for the name of Jesus, whatever that is in your life there. I walk around the office and I say, neither though I don't see wind nor rain, Lord, I declare these ditches shall be filled in the morning. These ditches shall be filled with the presence of God, with the knowledge of your kingdom. These ditches shall be filled with finances today and favor. These ditches shall be filled with healing and running over. These ditches shall be filled with clients from the north, south, east, and west. I walk in decree, and I trust him. And I say, Lord, I can't do nothing in my own strength. Nothing. I can't preach, teach, sell, Make nothing happen. I can't do nothing in junior, but I can do all things in my Father who strengthens me. Pastor Dale's always been there for me. One Sunday, this is how he trained me. I went to, we're closing. I went to end the service. He did. In the little blue building. I was sitting back there on the right side. I was a young man. It was 1995. 
my heart started beating out my chest. To go up front, the Lord gave me something to say. I never did that. So Dale's up here praying, dismissing the service. By this time, I didn't got enough on me to come out of the back. And I'm standing on the side like, Brother Dale. He got done. He said, where's Brother Junior? I said, I'm right here. He said, man, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you had something to say to the body. And that was the Lord trained me back then. Heart beating out of chest. He don't do that so much now. You know, he speaks, you know his voice. And, and, and God used Dale like that. My first baptism, Pastor Joe said, you're going to do it today. We didn't have a baptismal pool behind. Had one of these kind you can buy. Went next door in the little blue building. It's one of them kind that you had to walk down in, you know, the steps, and, and you baptize the person. Well, Pastor Dale's in the back of the church. His children, a bunch of friends, Pastor Keith. I didn't know you wasn't supposed to get in that baptismal. And I got down in it. You're supposed to stand behind it. Because there ain't enough room but for one person. And when you get all this in there, and I don't step down, I know I'm sniggering in the back. They're just laughing. And I'm soaked. And I'm trying to get somebody. I'm like, man, they ain't got no room in here. He baptized them. I don't know what we're going to do. I guess I'm going to bring them in and knock them backwards or something. Pastor Dale sent Justin up for Justin, come, come here, Jim. Yeah, man. People's out here watching. I'm in bear. Daddy said you weren't supposed to be in the baptismal. You folks stand behind it. I said, you tell daddy that I, I was checking for the sharks in the pool before the lambs got in. I was so embarrassed. Good times. When my daughter had a seizure, he was there. When my wife passed, he was there. You know, people don't really remember what you say or do. What they really remember is, was you there? And did you care? But I just want you to know my life has been forever changed because of him. Truth is, he, he has an apostle mandate on him. He has a fivefold call as an apostle. And I'm so glad he's been part of my life. I cannot tell you the times that he's called me or texted me through the years, just when I needed to hear it and say the right thing. The Lord's allowed me to do that a few times for him. I wish everything had been rosy. Everything hadn't been rosy. How many knows a father and son sometimes have some issues? He was a whole lot better father than I was a son, okay? But he's always been there for me just as your father's there for you. Times of correction. There have been times that I had to be corrected. Times I sat down for a while. One time I thought I was supposed to be the associate, not a associate. And he said, you got to learn the difference between the and a in the kingdom. So you just sat down for a while. The gift of God still worked in me, but I didn't have no mind. A father and son has all kind of relationships. But you know what? I knew he loved me. And because I knew he loved me, I knew it was going to be okay. And because he loved me, I knew I could trust him that it was going to work out. 
He knows daddy don't always tell you everything you want to hear. But he probably tells you what you need to hear. As a father, you know what we all need? As a leader, we all need fathers and mentors in our life because they're walking ahead of us where we're coming, they done been. And we also need to have somebody behind us coming. We've got somebody mentoring us going forward, but we also got someone behind us that we're bringing up to where we at. That's true ministry. That's the life. I just want to tell you, I love you guys as you stand on your feet. I knew my assignment today was a little different. I just wanted to talk about the blessing of a father, especially my spiritual father, Pastor Dale. And um, it's an honor to be here. Raise your hands. I'm going to bless you today. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's do it again. Listen to it. The Lord bless you. The Lord is saying, let blessing break out all in them. He said, let the Lord bless you and keep you. Let the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I bless you today. God bless you. Amen.